to take your Bibles now and turn with me to the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 12, and uh, this is a passage where the Passover is being uh, revealed or, or being the, 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 the issues of the, the establishment of the Passover as an ordinance uh, for God's people is being appointed here in this passage. And really, there are two different aspects to it. In the first part we'll read, it's the very first instruction given about the Passover. In the latter part of the chapter that we will read, um, there are further statements that need to be made, further revelation that needs to be given, because Israel is not only going to receive it for the first time in Egypt before they're delivered, but then they're going to go into the promised land and they're going to continue to uh, uh, observe this Passover ordinance and, and they're going to need to have uh, some specific instruction that needs to be uh, highlighted uh, for that occasion. And so there's two different aspects then to, to this reading. And, and so what I'm going to do is I, I gave the reading of verses 43 through 51, but I'm actually going to expand that. And so I'm going to read uh, in Exodus chapter 12, I'm going to first read uh, verses uh, 1 through 14. And uh, then I'm going to skip to a few others. I, I'm not going to read the entire chapter, uh, but I'm going, to, I'm going to follow through the basic thread that, that, that we need to uh, be instructed in tonight. And um, so I will tell you when I'm moving to the next verses. And if you would follow along with me, let's listen together to God's holy word. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to his house Take it according to the number of the persons. According to each man's need, you shall take your count for the lamb. Make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the door two doorposts, and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it, with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Now would you go down with me 
uh, to verse 24. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It shall come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as He promised, that you shall keep this service. And now would you go down to verse 40 and we'll read to the end of the chapter from there. Now the sojourn of the people of Israel who lived in Egypt was 430 years. And it came to pass at the end of the 430 years, on that very same day, it came to pass that all the armies of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. It is a night of solemn observance to the Lord for bringing them out of the land of Egypt. This is that night of the Lord, a solemn observance for all the children of Israel throughout their generations. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner shall eat it. But every man's servant who is bought for money, when you have circumcised him, then he may eat it. A sojourner and a hired servant shall not eat it. In one house it shall be eaten. You shall not carry any of the flesh outside of the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. And when a stranger dwells with you and wants to keep the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised. Then let him come near and keep it, and he shall be as a native of the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat it. One law shall be for the native born and for the stranger who dwells among you. Thus all the children of Israel did. As the Lord commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. And it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. Amen. May God bless the reading of His holy word. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, brothers and sisters, what I want to do tonight is, uh, as we look at the Passover requirements of this passage, I want to do this. Um, I want us to understand this, that um, the Passover was an emblem, it was a token, it was a memorial of Israel's redemption by God. Passover was a type what we call a type in literature. And a type is a pattern of something else. So Passover is a type or a pattern of salvation. The blood of a perfect sacrifice served as a substitute for the judgment of our sins. That's how it's a type. Just as the Israelites were delivered from the judgment of death by the blood sprinkled on their doorpost then. So we are saved by the sprinkling of the blood of Christ on our hearts as we look to Him in faith. So it's good for us to see that. It's also good to see that participating in Passover was an active remembering, memorial, an active remembering by Israel of their great deliverance from Egypt and from Egyptian bondage, slavery. Even if it happened long ago, they could remember it. They could participate in it by this remembrance. It was also a meal, right? We noticed that. And 
Israel in that meal entered into the enjoyment. They enjoyed the benefits of God's salvation. They enjoyed the benefits of presence of the presence of God. They did it as a congregation. They were to enjoy the greatness of the redemption of God as a people. All of them were to participate. Now, in it, they were also to recall that they are a special people of God, special by grace. They were a special people of God redeemed to live in purity, to live in devotion to God. So tonight, as we look at this, I want us to see these regulations of the Passover, and I want us to see how they teach us, us, about remembering and partaking of Christ's redeeming work for us. I want us to see how we participate through this type, we can see that, how we participate in Christ's redeeming work that is displayed in the Lord's Supper. So first of all, I want us to learn this. We, we learn, we see here, that it was a discriminating meal. And we see that in verses 43 through 46 particularly. It starts out by saying this is the ordinance, so we, we need to get that. An ordinance is what? It's a regulation. It's a requirement. It's not a suggestion. This is how you do it, right? Now, part of the ordinance had to do with who were not to participate in the Passover. That's instructive. Now, it's a negative, yes, but the need to address that arose because some who came out of Egypt with Israel uh, were not Israelites. They were not part of the covenant people. We see that in verse 38. Um, it, it says they're very uh, specifically says a mixed multitude also went up with Israel. Now, those were Egyptians who were sympathetic to the Israelites, perhaps connected to them in different ways, but also no doubt and probably uh, fellow slaves from other nations who took this opportunity to go with them. They get to be freed from their slavery as well. But because of that, now you have this mixed multitude. Now, the idea here, though, is that Passover was for God's redeemed covenant people only. Now, that's not politically correct. I, I get that. Um, um, but there were among them then those who were, you might say, along for the ride, um, taking the opportunity to be free. That's not a problem. That's not wrong. Um, but the question would become, could all partake of the Passover? And the answer of the passage is no. And the same would be true when they would enter into the land of, uh, of Canaan. And there would be also others around them who might not be part of Israel, would not be embracing of, of Israel's God. And, and so the same is going to be true because this is going to be an ordinance throughout the generations, right? So it has to be observed in, in God's way. And God makes it very clear that the Passover then was for God's people, not those who were outside of His covenant people. We might say it this way. It was not for unbelievers. It was uh, not for people uh, who have no connection with the church of Jesus Christ. And, and so something like though that, that kind of way that we would use to speak, something like that is the two groups that are being addressed in this Passover ordinance. Um, notice, of course, in the passage, there was a way for a person who was not part of Israel to participate together with them. They were to become circumcised. We'll get into that more in a moment. But um, in order for that non-Israelite to participate, 
they would have to be circumcised. Um, and circumcision, remember, is the, is the mark. It's the sign of God's covenant that is placed on the person who is included now in the covenant people. And, and so you see that in, in verse 44. Every man's servant who is bought for money, when they have circumcised him, um, um, uh, then they may eat of it when they have been circumcised. And, and, and uh, I'll just give you this note. Many commentators would agree with it. The old Dutch uh, um, uh, version, authorized version of the Bible, had, had, uh, it was a study Bible, like we have study Bibles. And, and this old version uh, on verse 44 made this note. With, they were circumcised with the understanding that they have accepted the true religion after having been instructed in it. So it wasn't just a formalism. Oh, you got to get circumcised. You can't eat this lamb. No, you had to know what it is you were being set apart to in circumcision, and that is that you were instructed and, and, and have accepted this true God, the God of redemption, the God of the covenant promises. So you see, the issue of partaking in Israel was not a matter of race, but a matter of grace. It was a mark not of nationality, circumcision, but of God setting a person apart unto Himself. Redemption by the blood of the Lamb means nothing to those who are apart from faith. It was not appropriate for anyone to receive the sign, the tokens, the benefits, so to speak, of Passover redemption if they weren't trusting in the one who had redeemed. So, in the passage refers to the stranger, the alien, the sojourner in Israel. And these were people who lived among Israel. They desired to live among Israel. They desired to work among Israel. They would, they would stay there sometimes the rest of their lives or for many years. They wanted to enjoy the blessing of living in Israel, but they didn't want to actually embrace God's covenant promises. They didn't want to embrace God. They didn't want to embrace the worship of the true God. So that person was not to participate in the remembrance of this great act of redemption. Living next door to a believer does not make you a believer. To partake of the Passover, you would submit out of a heart of faith to God, His rules, His law. You would identify with His people. You are my people. I am with you. Your God is my God. Remember Ruth's statement. She was an outsider, but she embraced the God of Naomi, the God of Israel. The same then is true for the church in the New Covenant. Here's here's how you make connections again, right? The connection between the Passover and the Lord's Supper is what? Christ. Paul calls Christ our Passover lamb. And the Lord's Supper is this visible proclaiming and this visible remembrance of the work of Jesus Christ and of the sufficiency of that work for all of our salvation, right? It is also a participation, the Lord's Supper is, in the blessing of His saving work by the Spirit through faith, but it is a participation. So Lord's Supper then is also not for everyone, just as Passover was not. It's for the comfort. It's for the the assurance. It's for the nourishment of those who are united by true faith to Jesus. It's good for us to think about these things when we come to the table of the Lord. Paul also gave ordinances for the Lord's Supper. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, he he reiterates the uh, institution of the Supper. 
But then he comes to this. In verse 27, he says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. So, this, these verses mean that communion is not for those who cannot discern Christ, who do not know Christ, who do not know the Christ that they're remembering and partaking of in that, in that Lord's Supper. And, it, and in fact, the passage says it's dangerous. It's, it's even disobedient to God to partake apart from faith. As much as it is commanded that you partake, if you partake apart from faith, it's dangerous for you. And, and so for that reason, the church has, has long practiced that idea of, of fencing the, the Lord's Supper, the communion table, um, not for the purpose of keeping people away from Christ, uh, but to make it clear that the only way to receive the blessings of salvation are by coming to Christ, uh, Christ alone, through faith alone, by grace alone, and embracing Him. And then you may partake of that which uh, Christ is offering us in, in, his, in, in the Lord's Supper. See, there's more to communion than simply showing up to church, receiving a piece of bread, sipping a, piece, a, a, a cup of wine. In order to receive it properly, a person must be baptized. A, per, a person must be marked as, a people, as part of the people of God. A person must profess their faith in Christ publicly, as, as, as Grace Bruin did a couple of weeks ago, and now gets to come to the table of the Lord. Um, a, a person is to be part of the communion of believers, marked out by these things. So one of the functions of the Passover ordinance was to preserve the moral and spiritual purity of God's people by making it clear in their minds that they are spiritually distinct in this world and from this world. They are the people of God. And the same is true of the Lord's Supper. It marks out the body of Christ, the people of God, who are the redeemed of God, who are enjoying the, the Lord and His blessings together. Well, the next thing I want us to point out here as we go through the passage is the Passover, of course, was a meal to share. Not just a meal, but a meal to share. It was, in that way, it was highlighting the unity of the people of God, wasn't it? Um, you'll look here at verse 46 and 47. In one house it shall be eaten, and you shall not carry any of the flesh outside of the house, nor shall you break one of its bones. All the congregation of Israel shall keep it. The same thing is said basically in verses 3 and 6 above in chapter 12. But that meal was to be eaten in a house as a group in that household. They didn't have one great place to congregate, but they could as God's people. And all of them at the same time, remember at twilight, at one time, we're all going to eat in our houses. So they were separated because they didn't have one great gathering place. And if they were a small family, and thus they couldn't eat the whole lamb... Right? Because they're a small family and the whole lamb was to be eaten, completely consumed. So if one family couldn't quite manage all of that, then they would invite a neighbor to come in and partake with them. But in this way, it helped God's people be united in one community together. 
You see, they weren't supposed to go outside the house and eat. I'll take mine to go. No. We ate together. It's a communal, people of God thing. It's not an individualistic activity. It's not an isolated act of spirituality. So here's the point. The entire body of Israel had received the benefit of of being uh, released from captivity in Egypt at the Passover. All were delivered from Egypt uh, because of the Passover plague. So all were to partake of that Passover. That Passover meal commemorating what had taken place. Generations later, the people of God are still enjoying the blessings of that liberation, of that freedom of the people of God. And so generations later, they're still partaking of that Passover event, aren't they? It emphasized their unity. The Passover wasn't merely an ethnic celebration. It wasn't nearly simply a national pastime celebration like maybe our 4th of July would be. It's a spiritual feast. It brings together. It marks out a redeemed people. And the people who come together say, we are God's people. I know myself to be one. You are one. We are brothers and sisters, a body in the Lord. Now, the Lord's Supper is a similar thing, isn't it? It's a powerful symbol of the unity of believers in Christ. To have union with Christ by faith, as we read in our questions and answer earlier, to have union with Christ by faith is to have union with other believers. I am part of you, you are part of me, and we're all part of Christ. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, Because there is one bread, we being many are one body, for we are all partakers of one bread. See, it marks us out as God's redeemed people. And that's why we eat the the, the bread and drink the wine together. It's why we do it together in an assembly of God's people. The body of believers united together in one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father. Finally, the meal was to be eaten. Now you say, of course, that's what a meal is for to be eaten. But why why a meal? Why a meal and eating a visible, physical sign of the Passover event? Why was partaking of that so important in a meal? Well, a meal was an event where you partake of an enjoyment together, a common thing you enjoy and and have together, right? And, and so they're partaking of what? Salvation and its blessings. And, and this is a joyful thing. This is a blessed thing. And so eating was a, a sign and a symbol of doing that, partaking together. That wouldn't be unique in the Bible, just to the Passover, by the way. Many Old Testament sacrifices that were brought to the temple and offered to God were to be eaten by the very people and the priest after they had uh, uh, presented the sacrifice. After the sacrifice was completed. You see, what was it? It was an enjoyment of the blessing of God's mercy and God's fellowship right there in the temple where God was in the Holy of Holies, in His presence, eating together and enjoying I have peace with God. I'm reconciled to God. My sins are washed away. I am one of His children. Now, when Christ inaugurated the new covenant, when He brought the new covenant in His blood 
when he marked out a new covenant people in his blood, what did he do? He told his disciples, here is bread, here is wine, we eat it together. Revelation chapter 19 tells us the end of the story, so to speak. It speaks of the wedding supper, the wedding feast of the Lamb. This is taking place in the new creation, in the new heavens and new earth. What are God's people doing? They're sitting together at a table eating, enjoying the blessing of their inheritance. See, throughout Scripture, God presents the benefits of salvation to us in the form of a joyful meal. What does it do? That joyful meal aids our understanding of the gospel. It presents salvation in a way that we can see, that we can touch, that we can taste. A meal shared is a form of fellowship and communion. When our God and Savior invites us to come to the table of the Lord, to eat together, we meet Him. We are with Him in that eating. He is communicating the reality of living a joyful relationship with our Savior. It is right for us to come and eat with our Savior. It is right for us to enjoy His benefits. And we do that by eating physically but also spiritually. What a joy that God gives to us to have that tangible opportunity as God's people together. Eating and drinking also conveys the idea of enjoying the blessings um, of, of a sacrifice that God accepted on our behalf. You see, that's what they're doing. God had accepted a sacrifice of the Lamb on their behalf. So that when God saw the Lamb's blood sprinkled over the doorpost of their house, He didn't visit judgment on that house. He passed over His Justice and His judgment had been satisfied. I have mercy on that household. It's covered by the blood. And that's what God says to us. When we come trusting in Jesus' blood, relying only on Jesus' blood, my mercy is for you, child of God. I passed over your judgment. I placed it on another, on Jesus. Enter into the joy of my fellowship. What a joy. Eat, taste. The joy of God's mercy is what he's saying to us. Eating the lamb was saying, you know, it's for the sake of the sacrifice of this lamb that God had mercy on me. So I eat this token of the body of Christ. I eat this token of the blood of Christ. And I'm saying Christ in me is my hope of glory. I'm saying Christ's saving sacrifice purchased my redemption. God in grace will be merciful to me. I'm a sinner, but He will be merciful to me. What a joy that is. The joy of the Lord is our strength, the Bible says. The joy of the Lord, the hope of the Lord, belonging to our Lord Jesus Christ. In it, we go from strength to strength. The final point I would mention about a meal is a meal is for our nourishment, isn't it? 
Israel ate, their bodies were nourished by that food. Well, as we eat the token, as we drink the token of Jesus' body and blood in the Lord's Supper, we're being fed. We're being fed spiritually, something that is spiritual but real. It is is spiritual nourishment. It is Jesus himself feeding and nourishing our souls so that we can go from strength to strength. See, the Lord's Supper is that meal, isn't it? Didn't we just talk about that this evening? Didn't we just review that in the questions and answers that we read? Question 75. Christ has commanded me and all believers to eat of this broken bread and to drink of this cup in remembrance of Him and is joined therewith, this eating and drinking, he's joined this promise first that his body was offered and broken on the cross for me, his blood shed for me, as certainly as I see with my eyes the bread of the Lord broken for me, the cup communicated to me. Further, that which was, that, that with his crucified body and shed blood, he himself feeds and nourishes my soul to everlasting life. As certainly as I receive from the hand of the minister and taste with my mouth the bread and the cup of the Lord, which are given me as certain tokens of the body and blood of Christ. Brothers and sisters, we are called to enjoy the blessing and the strength of Christ, of His saving power as we come to this table. And the joy of the Lord will be our strength. Amen.